Welcome to the Knowing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bach, a licensed professional counselor. On the show, we explore who the real Jesus is with his love, with his power, and with his endless pursuit of humanity, with the hope of changing our lives. Good morning. It's so good to be back with you all. Oh my gosh. So if you haven't been listening with us for a while or I didn't communicate it well, I have been on paternity leave. And so with our little new one in our lives, I haven't had much time for anything, uh, let alone doing this podcast, even though I love doing it so much. But it's been worth it. This little guy is so cute. He's been starting to smile, which is amazing. I've been learning so much about the Father's heart and God's relationship with humanity more through having this little one. I can't wait to start unpacking that um, in in various episodes. Uh, Pray for me that I can continue to have energy and hopefully get back to at least an every other week schedule. But man, I'd love to get back to every week and then multiple times a week as possible. Also have some very exciting news. Um, You'll see this in the link description, but announcing it here on the show that I have been, uh, the Knowing Jesus podcast has been featured on Feedspot in the top 100 Bible podcasts. So thank you all for that. That's so cool. Both the site and people that have made that possible by listening and sharing and commenting um, and reviewing. Uh, that all helps me so much in the show so much. So thank you so much for all that. Without further ado, today's episode is John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. This is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, Who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival, or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. So I'm recapping from last episode for you, as much as for myself, since it's been a while. But if we remember last time, we saw that Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, and I was noticing this really unique dynamic that Jesus 
washed all of their feet, and that's significant because Judas was going to betray Jesus. And Jesus, who often shows a foreknowledge of what will happen, and as we read today, he knows that Judas is going to betray him, Jesus still washed the feet of Judas. Uh, So forgive me if I'm repeating myself. I think it's necessary in this day and age where it seems to become more and more popular for Christian and non-Christian to hate our enemy. Now that's, you know, most people would think on, on the surface, well, of course it's okay to hate your enemy. And that is the painful, challenging reality of who Jesus is and what Christianity um, is is truly about. The idea that God's kingdom is upside down. And even though um, one would feel justified in hating our enemy, or even if we look to the Old Testament, if you, um, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, like it's an equal, proportionate, I get you back. There's a heavy focus on justice and equality, not not the way that we would maybe talk about equality in this day and age, but like equality of harm. You harmed me, I get to harm you. That made sense enough. But Jesus challenges that dynamic that people had believed in, and I think the human heart tends to want to believe in. If you hurt me, I get to hurt you back. I get to enact justice. I get to be the judge. And as we will continue to see in scripture, not today explicitly, but God often says, no, no, no. Human beings don't get to enact the judgment, the final judgment, uh, especially. We get to, hey, if you if you murder someone, you go to jail. If you do something bad, um, there is a consequence for it, right? So this is balance. There is a consequence for actions, but it's certain authorities that get to do that justice, not the individual who gets to enact it on their behalf. Uh, sometimes I can't tell what's... Um, <laughs> I think I have a very unique mind, and I think about things that, that some people don't think about, and I don't mean that in a, oh, I'm better than you. I'm like, why would Brian think about X, Y, and Z? So sometimes I can't tell <laughs> what maybe others have thought about. I have wondered if this is an intentional part of God's heart, that he realizes that human beings, we, if we get hurt, we will want to hurt others out of that place of hurt. We will not necessarily do true justice. We aren't a unbiased, objective party. And so we, the harmed, shouldn't be the ones who get to decide what the result is for the perpetrator. I mean, think about this in your own life. If you're honest, when someone's harmed you, do you really actually want just exact equal retribution? Or again, I challenge you to be honest. Hey, I'm honest. I know there's times where I'm harmed and I'm like, well, okay, let, let's figure out what the, the equal uh, getting you back is. And then I just want just, even if it's just 1% more, and honestly, it's probably 5, 10, 20, 50% more because I feel hurt. No one likes feeling powerless. No one likes feeling taken advantage of. And I believe, as a counselor, Christian, human, that out of that place of weakness, powerlessness, feeling taken advantage of, we want to make a point. 
We want to make it so that you never think about hurting me again. God understands that. He understands that we are insecure. He understands that we feel fragile. He understands that we are prone not to have faith in him or trust in him, which means that we don't believe, hey, if some harm has befallen me, I believe that God can actually redeem it. If some terrible thing has happened, I I think that um, I actually can still believe that God has a story for me and even the person that's harmed me. We tend to forget that. At least I'll, I'll be honest, I forget that. And because then... I operate out of this place of thinking, well, God's not for me. He's not going to redeem this. I have to do this all on my own, and so I have to make a point. But we see this is not the way with God. And friends, like this is where, if we're watching a movie, the, the camera zooms in. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him, and he washes his feet. He serves Judas. He doesn't wish him harm. Judas is his enemy. If there's ever been an enemy on earth, it was Judas to Jesus. Jesus, perfectly innocent. Like, that's again what's so fascinating about the scriptures, right? So in an or, oh gosh, my brain's not going to work right now. Baby brain, I'm saying this wrong. Oracle, auditorial society, where people based so much on sharing and talking and the news was spread by the voice, the Bible opened itself up to criticism where for a good 150, 100 years, so many people could have been like, nah, Jesus did this terrible thing. He's not perfect. Nah, he sinned here. He's not perfect. No one was able to say that Jesus sinned. No one was able to say, hey, this is where he lied. This is where he screwed up. This is where he was untouchable. So because Jesus was this perfectly innocent man who harmed no one, and let's maybe parse out, there's a difference between harm and making people uncomfortable. There's a difference between harm and uh, disagreeing with people. Jesus didn't harm anyone. He was for all people. He was for their flourishing. Even if he was challenging them, it was to restore them because they were drinking poison. And so he was saying, no, please don't go that direction. And so Judas is the greatest enemy of all time to Jesus because Jesus is innocent. There's no wrong. And Judas hands him over to death. Judas Judas hands him over to whipping brutal punishment, torture, and then crucifixion, death. Jesus knows all of this and washes his feet. And as we catch up to today's scripture, although Jesus answers the disciples' question, he either doesn't allow them to see what's going to happen or something goes on where he he clearly identifies Judas, but his disciples don't get it. And he sure doesn't say, oh my gosh, guys, I'm talking about Judas, the terrible one here. Everyone hates Judas. He doesn't gang up against Judas. He doesn't say, like, let's let's just go after him. Let's prevent him. Jesus identifies him and then just leaves it be. Again, friends, I am not claiming to have all the answers or even many answers, but I challenge us to be curious about the ways of Jesus. He grasped the kingdom in a way that we clearly do not have because he was at peace with loving his enemy. He was at peace with his story ending in a very tragic, terrible way. 
he was at peace, living out righteously, without having to resist and fight and harm people to maintain his ministry. I'm sure that would just raise up a million questions. You know, O'Brien, do you just let people do terrible things? Well, Brian, like, when when do you actually resist somebody? Um, Obviously, God is against injustice. Man, these are all those are all great questions. All I know is that Jesus instructed his disciples similarly and told them to turn the other cheek. And I believe eleven out of twelve of them, and some speculate I think all twelve of them, were put to death. That sucks. And it's been a while since I have been a little more acquainted with Roman history, but I also know that so, like, the reason I'm a Christian, likely the reason you're a Christian, if we look back at the Christian heritage and lineage, is because the early church suffered so much. And what captured the hearts of Romans, why Christianity exploded in popularity, was in large part because of how the Christians loved under persecution, under harm, under hatred. I know someone's probably going to take this out of context or whatever, and that's okay. But some of what was so pivotal in the civil rights movement when Martin Luther King, who led a massive movement, and many others, I know, was when the papers and the journalists started picking up on the refusal of people to fight back against evil when they were being hosed, when dogs were sent after them, when all kinds of harm was after them. And the picture just shows defenseless people being harmed. The populace general populist mind started to shift and said, what the heck is going on? I am massively oversimplifying. I am creating a soundbite, but that is an important part in the shift of the narrative that when people started to see, this is ridiculous. It changes hearts to see people who, although wronged, aren't hateful back, aren't mean back. Don't look for an eye for an eye. It perplexes us. Well, at least I'll speak for myself personally. That is what changed me. Well, Jesus (laughs) did. But, I mean, sadly, in life, I had to wait till seminary to come across reading and processing and, and understanding more of America's history and civil rights history and many, many people who suffered to push back against segregation and uh, legislation that, that was racist. And what hit me most personally was a complete confusion to how would people be able to not fight back and not hate back. Again, please give me grace as there's so much more on that conversation to talk about and In other episodes, we can go there, just doing a couple snapshots, given that Roman history, civil rights history, um, I know in in China right now, and many countries around the world where Christians have been persecuted, are persecuted, there is a massive response. The church grows, and it makes me really sad. 
and I forget what the quote is, and I'm butchering it, but basically the idea is that the blood of the saints is a fertilizer that makes the plant grow, the plant being the gospel, the church, and it flourishes under suffering. And maybe some of the greatest deception we face in this world is false contentment, a counterfeit good life, where things are good enough that we don't hunger and strive. And I don't know about you, I've been reminded in this season of life where I haven't gotten much sleep at all and have been pushed to my limits and past my limits because of a at least mildly colicky baby, um, I have prayed and communed with God in ways that I don't when I'm not that desperate. And as much as I don't like to admit this, because then I have to be accountable, my faith at moments, not the whole time, but at moments, my faith has increased because I don't have any strength. <laughs> there literally is no faith I can place in myself. If I do, I will go mad. And I had to, just the other day, maybe five, six, seven days ago, was placing my faith, not in what God is doing now, but what God has done in the past. And even though, if I'm honest, I don't feel like he's going to show up. I don't feel like he cares. But praying in faith of who he has been, and I know cognitively who he is, regardless of how I feel right now. Saying, I know you have a plan for me, and your plan isn't that I go insane right now. (laughs) and stay insane. I know you have a plan for this family. And even though it's difficult for me to see, um, I'm seeing a very reduced caseload right now because of my energy levels and um, whatnot, you will provide financially. And many other things that, uh, I, that are personal enough, I'm not going to share on a podcast at least not at this time, till I've processed them through, and I know I'm not sleep-deprived in saying things I shouldn't be. Um, but the idea is putting faith in Him. Quick, you know, sidetrack that I think is necessary. It's so sad and corrupt when, I'm going to say fake and false teachers, prophets, whatever you want to say, say, you have to have enough faith, or give me money and God will bless you. That is so evil. Our faith should be in nothing but him. Not even faith in my prayer. Friends, I've had many people comment like, wow, Brian, you're really good at praying. And so sometimes I've put my faith in the words and the pattern and the passion. All false. Quicksand. Not concrete. Not the stone of Jesus. The faith needs to be in him. And so I'll reel it back in in case my stream of consciousness has been hard to follow. Again, we're talking about this interesting theme of how Jesus is countercultural. The church grows the most when Christians respond in love to hatred, to harm, to persecution, and how our faith should not be in ourselves, how we have faith but in God, the finisher and perfecter of our faith. And what does all this have to do with Judas? (laughs) Just combine Judas and Jesus. Judas and Jesus. Great question. Jesus entrusts himself to the Father. 
he gives us a perfect example of the perfect Christian. It doesn't exist this side of heaven, but placing his complete faith and trust in his Father. I don't know. I don't know about you, but this raises all kind of questions. Okay, what kind of good father says go to a cross and die, son? That's for another episode. <laughs> but Jesus entrusts himself to his father, even though it looks like he is just going to be harmed. And yes, he is harmed, but that's not the end of the story. He is harmed. He goes through incredible trial to then rise from the dead and bring many sons and daughters to glory. He fights the good fight for us because we could not fight that fight because we will fail 100% of the time. I've had many people say in my life, Brian, you're a good guy. You've got a great heart. You're an amazing father. Your kid is blessed. And that's kind of nice to hear, but I know my heart. And I know that apart from Jesus, I've got nothing to offer this kid. I've got nothing to offer my wife. Because I know myself. And if we're all honest and we look in the mirror, we know that if things don't go our way, we kind of become animalistic. Maybe that's not the right word phrase. We act like animals, caged animals, who a whole other side of you comes out when things don't go your way and you're not loving, and you're not charitable, and you're not patient, and you're not peaceful. And that's where it comes back full circle. True Jesus, true Christ's love, true power of the Spirit is able to endure suffering and able to endure harm without harming back. That is in part a great representation of the fruit of the Spirit. And again, I'm not saying, you know, look, I, I have no idea how, I don't even like the term political, but everything seems political, politicized. Um, I'm not saying you don't say, hey, like, this isn't human flourishing. Hey, this is like, you know, there's a lot of hatred in our day and age. In the name of being anti-hate, there's a lot of hate happening right now. And it's okay to say, hey, that isn't human flourishing. You can't say, because you've hated me, I hate you back. We're all justified. I can do whatever I want to do. I get to do back to you. That's not how it works. I mean, sure, it does from a, a non-Christian point. I get it. It, it seems relatively logical. It kind of makes sense. But for the Christian, no. We can say, hey, that isn't human flourishing. But how do we disagree? Did you notice how I said, hey, that isn't human flourishing, not you're a terrible person? That's very different. Hey, this isn't the path to life light redemption, reconciliation, and saying it like that in a relatively neutral tone and probably should be even done with more compassion and kindness. So I'm not saying the Christian just come, you know, puts his head in the sand and says, do, 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 like, everything's fine. No, like that's, <laughs> that's, that's not the resolution, but the resolution also isn't forcing the quote-unquote supposed kingdom of heaven the true kingdom of heaven doesn't need forcing. It's happening, will happen in God's time. Human beings do not make the kingdom of heaven happen or come. Jesus does. He is the king of the kingdom. We do not make the kingdom come here by force. We can invite people into the kingdom. 
I don't know about you, but if someone threatens me to come to a party, <laughs> I don't want to come to that party. But if you're like, man, you're missing out. There's some really good food over here. Hey, well, uh, food is my love language. So, right? So hopefully this has been helpful, productive, thoughtful. So remember Judas and Jesus and how Jesus is a servant and Jesus is kind and Jesus doesn't hate and he doesn't harm. He submits himself to the Father's will. He allows the suffering to happen. I don't like that because of the ramifications in my life. And there are people, again, in Russia, in China, in other countries where being a Christian act, like costs you something and you have a greater faith than I can understand. Not to mention those in the Middle East. And again, many other countries, I just want to honor you. Those who have lost families. Those who have been cast out of communities. Those who have had such terrible things said to them because of the name of Jesus. You are heroes of the faith. You will be honored, I hope, this side of heaven, but for sure, the next side of heaven. Those who do such a better job than I do of turning the other cheek. Thank you. Thank you for being servants. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for allowing the Lord to live so strongly in your heart. As we wrap up today, I just want to end in prayer again for myself and others. Um, Dear Jesus, the world is in many ways upside down. Um, I pray. I pray for your amazing love to penetrate hearts in this country and in other countries. Give us wisdom. Help us, as you say, to be innocent as doves, and yet, confusingly, wise as serpents. Help us to see your will and to submit to your will above ours. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be seen and evident through our lives, in our actions, in the ways we talk to other people, in the ways we talk about other people. I pray that your church would be a light to the world and others would see how we lift up and encourage one another and are kind to one another and seek to redeem and reconcile instead of tear apart and condemn. That none of us deserve your mercy or your kindness, as offensive as that is to my heart and all of our hearts. We don't deserve it, and yet you offer it freely, and you want to give us full life. I pray that you would be seen as great, that you would be seen as the answer. I pray that all of those who intend good but actually do harm would be convicted and they would see the difference between forcing quote-unquote justice, forcing quote-unquote love, and the difference between God's perfect love. I pray that you would give us strength to turn the other cheek and that Jesus would be glorified and seen as great. Give us strength. Give us the ability to run the race and run the race well in a way that honors you 
and draws all people to your name. Give us a deeper understanding of our brokenness and sin, not so that we enter shame, but so that we can appreciate the more broken that we understand and accurately that we see ourselves, the more powerful and amazing your love is that no matter how bad we are, you have continued to pursue us and you will continue to pursue us. And thank you, God, for the kind things that I've heard people say. I pray that you would be blessed and glorified and give us strength this day and every day. Let us seek you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful, kind, powerful name. Amen. So before we wrap up today, I do ask if this has been a blessing to you, if you learn things, share this. Friends, family, whoever. Um, reviews help this rise up in the charts and for other people to see this podcasts and subscribe wherever you are. Listen. Uh, if you know anyone who blogs or is good at social media and wants to share this, that would help so much. It's not obvious. I'm not trying to place faith in myself or ability, but I believe God has put something in my heart. And although uh, with error and difficulty, he does speak through me at times, um, although I'm sure I get in the way a ton as well. So with that said, thanks for your support, and I can't wait to connect again soon.